0: Welcome to the Elevate the Vibe podcast, bringing you juicy combos with thought leaders discussing the wild world of parenting.
1: So when we're in a fight or flight situation, our brain communicates that we are in that situation and then we'll respond as we are. When you have OCD like I do, there's misfires there. So if I am in an OCD cycle, my brain is explaining that I'm in a fight or flight situation when I'm really not, but it's mislabeled as one in my brain. And so I'll get that physical response of like, I'm in trouble and it's life or death.
0: Hello, 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 Vibe hi. Welcome to the Elevate the Vibe podcast. I am your host, Katie Berlin, here with my co-host.
2: You know, you are smoking hot tonight, Chug. I'm just gonna let it out for the audience right now. You know, we've been cooped up for a long time in quarantine and now we've got a little bit more freedom. And man, Katie Berlin, you are looking fine. Uh, Oh, yeah. I'm Jason Berlin. Sorry, I got distracted.
0: I was going to say, who the F is in this room (laughs) that is looking fine? I need to find this person and hunt him or her down.
2: The sweatpants suit you well, babe. They're working. You You got nail
0: polish on.
2: You got the ring, two rings, three rings.
0: Okay, I always wear nail polish. But (laughs) going back to the sweatpants, today Jason got up earlier than I did and... I got dressed i didn't know what jason was wearing and i come downstairs and we are wearing matching sweatpants outfits twinsies that's how you know <laughs> that you're married and you're in sync Yep. and mm-hmm. you got it going on yep
2: it's yes. true it's all good
0: all right well today's episode is with a dear friend of mine and former colleague tori shavira Tori is a mental health advocate who struggled with obsessive compulsive disorder, commonly referred to as OCD. After hitting rock bottom and seeking treatment, Tori teamed up with the no CD team. No CD is an organization that offers online therapy for obsessive compulsive disorder, which can be a pretty severe, it can be prevalent, and very misunderstood mental health condition.
2: Now you and Tori worked together for a while, right?
0: Tori and I worked together, and during the time that we worked together, I actually had no idea she was going through what she shares.
2: Yeah, that's wild. In
0: this episode today. So, you know, mental health doesn't always look like on the outside what we may be feeling on the inside. And, of course, you know, we're not doctors here, but if you are struggling, no matter what type of mental health you might be struggling with or not struggling and just need someone to talk to. Tori does give a lot of great resources today. And of course, there, you know, it's always a quick Google away if you need something.
2: But don't over Google away because sometimes Google docking is not the best thing. But Right. <laughs> yes. I would definitely say
0: you can find great info in the show notes from Tori today. There you go. So she is definitely a wealth of information. Someone who has dedicated herself to helping others that are looking for help, seeking treatment and... This conversation helps to remove the stigmas associated with mental health and obsessive compulsive disorder. So, Vibe Hive, let's welcome Tori to the show. Tori, welcome to the Elevate the Vibe podcast. Can you please introduce yourself to the Vibe Hive audience?
1: Yeah, so I'm Tori, I live in LA, Los Angeles. And I am a mental health advocate, and I've, you know, built my platform on advocating for mental health, specifically OCD recovery.
2: Very cool, Tori. Maybe we can start with uh, defining OCD and how it related to you and some initial signs in the past that might have set you forward in your, you know, OCD journey of figuring all of of it out.
1: Sure, yeah. So, OCD consists of um, two parts, essentially. So the first part is unwanted intrusive thoughts, images, or urges, and they uh, can revolve around different subtypes. Um, I mean, OCD is most commonly known as, you know, like hand-washing, fear of germs, contamination, but there's a ton of other different subtypes as well. Some that are pretty hard to talk about, um, which is one of the ones I had, which would be harm OCD. And so I, I have quite a few subtypes, but harm was the one that I had gone to treatment for because it was the most frightening for me to kind of deal with in my in my head. Um, and it was completely against everything I had ever known. So, so part one, again, the intrusive images, thoughts, urges. Part two is um, compulsions that can either be physical, again, hand-washing is a great example of a physical compulsion, Or mental compulsions, which most people don't know about. So a mental compulsion can look like rumination, which is going over a memory or a thought over and over and over again until you try to solve it. Um, There's also mental checking, there's counting in your head, um, you know, praying, whatever you're kind of doing in your head that would alleviate that thought um, that brings on that anxiety or that triggering like distress. So that's, you know, what OCD is. And there's a ton of different subtypes. And I, again, I had harm OCD, which was terrible. So essentially I was, it was specifically around driving though. So I was terrified that I was going to cause an accident and not know, or like hurt someone with my car, not know. And it was just so debilitating. And it came out of nowhere. (laughs) Like it completely came out of nowhere. So the year that I had my big, Um, I I just call it a breakdown. I had a a mental breakdown. I had an episode, was one of the biggest years of my life personally. So the most abundant year I had gotten a new job and then I had moved out to my apartment with my ex at the time. I also went on a big Europe trip, just really big life things, which OCD, you know, learning now loves. It loves those big life events because any way it can kind of creep doubt in is how it's going to work you know and thrive so it was that year that i completely just lost control essentially and i hit my rock bottom um so as far as those signs kind of leading up to this um i've had signs of OCD since i was really young um an example would be i used to like when my mom would pack me like lunches I would save the things that she would like touch because I didn't want something bad to happen to her. And I felt like I was protecting her in that way. And I think that falls under the subtype of magical thinking OCD. So that again, is just like a a sign. And then growing up, I had more contamination OCD in high school. And so that looked like me um, not allowing people or friends or, you know, significant others at the time, like on my bed or sit on my bed. I was afraid of like the germs they were going to bring in. I also used to like Lysol my skin because I felt like nothing was getting clean enough. I was contaminated with something. Um, And then it kind of just, you know, went on from there.
2: So when you started noticing these small things like Lysoling your skin and things like that, did you seek treatment back then? Did you realize in the back of your mind that something was going on with you, maybe bigger than your current skill set to deal with, or were you? Did you convince yourself that that was normal, and then, uh, you know, everyone else maybe everyone else did it, or like how did how was your your mental space during that?
1: I had no idea what was going on. I had no idea there was like a name for this. I just knew how I felt in those moments and I knew how to al- alleviate or offer some relief in those moments too, which were the compulsions, right? But again, I had no idea anything about OCD. So I didn't even know they were a compulsion. I was just trying to like get by essentially.
0: And you had mentioned that there's many different types or subtypes. Can you give us a breakdown? Like you you sort of broke down obsessive compulsive disorder into different buckets but then within the subtypes is there a specific number or is it just like hundreds
1: there's quite a few and there's quite a few that have kind of also recently been um, talked about more too so I yeah I don't know if there's necessarily a number but there's just quite a few out there Um, and I think if you, if people need to do like a search, they can just, you know, search it and, and find a bunch of different websites that list them out for sure, but there's a lot.
0: What are some of the most common?
1: Yeah. Well, contamination, right? That's what everyone kind of knows a little bit about OCD. Um, there's maternal OCD, which kind of happens postpartum. Um, there's harm OCD, there's sexual orientation OCD, There's hyper-responsibility, OCD. But yeah, I would say the most common would be contamination. Yeah, that's that's the big one.
0: And there's this idea that people will jokingly throw around the term OCD. Like, oh, my OCD won't let me. If someone really does have it versus someone that's joking around and maybe they say they have it and maybe they don't know like really what something is what are specific markers like you had mentioned like in your mind mentally until that last uh, like until that item's completed you feel unsettled like I'm thinking of like when you're counting if somebody has to count how many times they try to open a door before they go in if they don't get to that specific number they feel extreme anxiety until they get to that number so are there certain markers where it's like, okay, maybe I am a germaphobe, but I don't have an obsessive compulsive disorder around contamination. So like, yeah. Yeah. Where does that line lie?
1: Yeah. So with, um, you know, the world health organization labeling OCD as the most, uh, one of the top 10 most debilitating disorders, um, when you have OCD versus being a germaphobe, it does cause an extreme amount of anxiety, but it, it's debilitating. So essentially when you have OCD, there's a little bit of misfiring going on. The part of my brain, which we all have, right? So it's our fight or flight programming. So when we're in a fight or flight situation, our brain communicates that we are in that situation and then we'll, we'll respond as we are. When you have OCD, like I do, there's misfires there. So if I am in a such an OCD cycle, my brain is explaining that I'm in a fight or flight situation when I'm really not, but it's mislabeled as one in my brain. And so I'll get that physical response of like, I'm in trouble and it's life or death kind of thing.
2: And would you feel that every time the situation arised, like every time you would drive to work or is it every couple times or like, could you feel that sensation coming?
1: So there is, a, um, there is, you know, I was severe at this time. So yes, it was, um, it was all day, every day for me. So, and that was for about eight to 10 months of just constant. I was at a 12, like from the moment I woke up, woke up to the moment I like fell asleep. I was at a 12 um, and yeah, so I was pretty severe at this time, but I will say though, there's other, there's other, um, I guess, a scale essentially where you don't have to be as severe. So with other subtypes you know, throughout my life, I wasn't at a 12 though. So it kind of just depends on where you are and you know what you're, what you're dealing with, but I was really severe at that time. So it actually got to a point where I had stopped driving because I just couldn't risk it. And I couldn't I couldn't spend the time to ruminate anymore because that was my biggest compulsion was ruminating over like my drive home.
2: Were you able to Uber or no, not get in a car at all?
1: So no, 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 yeah. Cause so it's a control, I, it's
2: part of having control, then, right?
1: Exactly, yeah. So here's where it started to affect my life in a very negative way. So I was with um, my ex at the time and we lived, I would say like in the morning traffic, like in maybe 45 minutes, an hour away. Um, so I, I had to have her drive me to work and then she would go home, which was like another 45 an hour. And then she worked maybe 10 minutes away from our, our work. So that I like was having her essentially enable me now knowing the terminology, but it that took a toll on our relationship. And I was spending like $80 on an Uber. Like to go home from work, and I was also um kind of you know when you have o c d you're kind of again, you're in fight or flight mode, so you're a little sneaky with your reassurance, and so I would get rides to South coast from another coworker, and I would just like say, "Oh, we carpooled today, which we kind of did, but like that wasn't the reason why, you know, I was just terrified to drive. So yeah, I was spending endless amount of money on Ubers and, and it was pretty bad. Oh, man. Now
0: in your worst time, can you walk us through like what a day in the life of your mind was like when it was extremely difficult and debilitating, like from the moment you woke up until when you were actually driving until you're at work and then you go home and go to sleep at night.
1: Sure. Yeah. So I so from the moment I woke up, you have and and the OCD community knows this, you have a split like two minute like period where nothing is like there. Your thoughts are clear and you're you feel normal, I guess, or like I felt like I didn't have anything going on. And then it like hits you really fast to where you go from a zero to a 12. And it, your, your brain is, my brain was just flooded with um, the rumination of like, okay, well, I drove home yesterday or two weeks ago or a month ago. Like, am I sure? Like, did I stop at that stoplight? Like, I don't know. So it's just replaying things over and over and over again in hopes that you can like remember or solve, uh, solve it with just this one thing that could add to it. Um, and then there was other things that came in of like, you know, the shame that's associated with it of like, okay, well, I need to find a ride to work today. And I, I'm like, I have so much shame about it because I'm embarrassed of what's going on, but I don't know how to tell anyone what's going on on top of being scared and terrified of the thought of like, what if, you know, what if I had hurt someone and just don't know, you know? So it's all just so much and it's so consuming and it's just so torturous it's like your worst fear just replaying over and over again in your brain
0: so then at what point were you like this is enough and i need to get help i need treatment for this
1: it took me a little while to get to that point to be honest with you i had um i was definitely using not the healthiest coping mechanisms to, to, to you know deal at the time um and i had expressed to my the, the people closest to me, I think I need help. I think something's wrong. Um, and I found, I found an article on, um, it's a website now called madeofmillions.com. It's a fantastic website and resource. But I found an article about um, like driving OCD and hyper responsibility OCD and harm OCD essentially because they all are kind of overlap and with that subtype at least. And so I was like, wow, this sounds like what I'm going through. Like this sounds like something. Um, and also I was just at, at my lowest point and it was a really dark and scary time for me of what, what how am I going to get out of this hole? Like I, don't, I didn't see an end to it. So I, I knew it was getting really dark and really scary for me. And I just didn't want to put my family through anything too hard so I reached out and then I asked my mom also for help and I was like hey I think I might need to be like admitted into like a psych ward or an inpatient program and you know I come from immigrant families on both sides and so that's mental health is just something we don't talk about we just work hard and then we that provide for our family So we had the conversation of like, how are you going to pay for this? How are you going to explain this gap on your resume? How are you going to explain this to your employer? And I didn't have answers to those questions. So I just was like, okay, I guess that's a no. (laughs) I guess I don't have a choice to like do that. It's not an option for me. Um, Like, how am I going to pay my bills? You know, all of those, those questions. And so um, I ended up just luckily being my own advocate and researching outpatient programs or even just therapy and just researching more about OCD, which like led me to treatment.
2: So what sort of treatments did you start? Uh, Was there any like sort of medication treatments or was it mainly therapy or psychology or did you do any sort of hypnosis?
1: No, so when I was doing research, a lot of different things came up. Hypnosis was one of them. Um, Medication was another option. So I had just came across um, ERP therapy, which is exposure and response prevention therapy, which is the gold standard treatment for OCD, you know, OCD. So I luckily, I did start out, I will say, I did start out with a general therapist, like a general talk therapist on like BetterHelp or some online platform. And, you know, just like on psychology today, they'll check a box and say, yeah, I can treat OCD that is so far from like the truth. It takes a specialist who like knows what they're doing, knows OCD and the subtypes, and who's trained in ERP treatment to be able to actually treat you. So I went to her and it was, I mean, she was really sweet, but it didn't help me at all. Um, OCD takes such a specific t- a type of treatment to get behind or to in order to break that cycle and that, that loop. So um, I found, I went to a couple different uh, specialists to see who I just vibed with the most. Um, and then I found my, my current therapist and I just like fell in love and it was amazing. And so we primarily focus on ERP therapy.
2: How exactly does ERP therapy work?
1: Yeah, so it's essentially, um, <clears throat> you'll gradually confront the thoughts or those situations that trigger that anxiety or discomfort or distress. Um, by doing exposures, so that'll mean say, that, viso driving. I'll I would slowly start driving, and instead of doing the compulsions that make your thoughts stop, which they don't, it just feeds the cycle. But you know, um, so not driving around the block like six times, or not checking your rearview mirror like twelve times, or um, maybe you know if you have harm OCD in general, watching like a like ID, ID channel or whatever, you know, watching shows that kind of bring up that, that trigger or that response and then sitting there without doing the compulsions.
2: So is this something you work on with a therapist in like a, a simulation sort of aspect or it's something you take and practically apply as you're doing it?
1: Well a little bit of both. So at first, I would sit there with my therapist and we would do exposures together. Mm-hmm. Um, and then then i would do them just on my own too. So i was at a point in my recovery or i guess in treatment at that time where i was just so ready to get my life back because i mentioned before like that year was so big for me but at my rock bottom i ended up losing a lot in that time. So like me and my ex broke up after 6 years just because of a lot of things and it was time but that was a big reason, you know. Um I moved out of the apartment and that I like loved <laughs> and I was performing not the best at work um, because I I was ruminating all day. I couldn't focus. I couldn't even sit in meetings. Like there would be meetings where a trigger would come up and I would just leave. And there was like three people in the meeting, my boss being one of them. <laughs> I, I was like, how do I explain this to them? They, they're not gonna understand. So everything I had worked so hard for when I hit my rock bottom I lost them essentially. And so I was at a point where I was like, I just want my life back. I'm a 26 year old, 27 year old, whatever. I just, I, I see other people like thriving and living their best life and starting families and getting married and here I am like not driving in Southern California, like not driving myself, you know? And so, and not being able to focus at work, you know it just, it just took a toll all the way around and I was just ready to do anything to get better. So yeah.
0: Years ago, I watched on MTV. There was MTV True Life. I have OCD. And that episode still like lives in my head of seeing there were three people that they followed and they all had a different type of OCD. And one of them was a harm OCD. You mentioned living with this for 8 to 10 months i think some of these people in the show were living with this in an extreme case for years now regardless of time frame like if it's just a few months or years do you does it depend on the amount of time that you live with the issue that it that recovery can take longer or is it the severity and then the length of recovery, or is it just really different depending on every individual?
1: It's different depending on every individual, just because ERP does take participation. It takes you like being willing to do hard, hard things, things that you've been avoiding for years. Right. So I, I would say that, I mean, it could be a little bit of both. So like I had been living my life, right. Undiagnosed and un, like, you know, knowing according to my OCD's rules for 27 years. And so in treatment, I had to just stop living to, you know, according to those rules and stop doing things like avoiding things or whatever. Um, and so that is going to be really difficult, you know, and that's why it's like hard, hard work because you're going against everything that feels safe to you. Everything that feels like, I mean, normally, right, if you, if you are leaving the house, you're like, oof, maybe you'll get a thought. Everyone gets intrusive thoughts. of like, did I leave the stove on? I better check. To, to someone with OCD, it's really hard for us to get out of the, that cycle. So we'll check and we'll check and we'll check, which essentially makes it even more um, unclear. You know, it makes the answer unclear for us. Um, and so, yeah, it, it kind of just depends on, on the person and their willingness to participate in treatment.
0: If you are a parent and let's say that you begin to notice something in your child, yeah. let's say it's like the washing of the hands, or mm-hmm. maybe they just start talking about something constantly. Mm-hmm. Is, there, is there a way that as a parent – you might be able to recognize in your child this is something that they have affinity for and it's a phase mm-hmm. versus like, I think I might need to take action on this. Like maybe they only want to wear, you know, like a lot of little kids only want to wear a certain outfit all the time. Like I just want to wear my princess my dress. or orange shirt. Yeah. I just don't. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. And it's like, okay, that's fine. Yeah. But then, you know, is there, I mean, of course we're not doctors, but like, does there come a point where maybe it's like, maybe this isn't a phase, and I feel like maybe I need to help my child before this gets to a point where it consumes their life?
1: Yeah, I think um, some pretty big signs would be anger. Um, OCD is associated with anger a lot of the times because if, you know, again, we're in a life or death situation in our head. So if, if the person, you know, doesn't understand that we're doing a compulsion because we want to save your life or we want to save our life or we want to keep you safe, whatever it might be, like there'll be tantrums or anger, which is what I had growing up. I had a lot of those because I couldn't communicate what was going on and what I was feeling in that moment. So I think anger and tantrums can be a really good um, indicator or that unwavering of like I cannot leave unless I complete my compulsions. Um, or again, reassurance seeking. So reassurance seeking is looking like, did I, did I turn off that stove? Like, did you see me do it? Are you sure? Are you sure? Can you check the like, uh, what is it? Ring and make sure the house isn't on. Like, can you check? Reassurance is just asking those kinds of questions like over and over and over again to the point where it's like, I told you like once or twice or three times. That should be enough. But with OCD, it's just never enough. Never enough. They call it feeding the monster. And it's like reassurance seeking, compulsions. They just all feed that monster. So,
2: did your parents notice if, uh, you know, when you were going through some of these things at your 12 stage, like did they reach out to you and say, hey, Tori, you know, something seems a little off. How are you feeling? Or was it more like you were masterfully masking what you were going through?
1: A little bit of both. So, I. Um, at work, I was, you know, like Katie said, I was masking the whole time, um, which I'm really good at, which people with OCD are actually really good at, um, you know, we'll be sneaky with reassurance and we'll get it out of you in a very seemingly organic way, effortless way, or, um, or we'll hide our compulsions, um, which I didn't really have a lot of physical compulsions. So that wasn't really a thing for me. It was a lot of mental compulsions. Um, but at work, I was definitely masking because I ha- I liked that job and I wanted to do a good job and I liked the people there um, and I wanted to thrive there. Um, but at home, I was living at with my ex in our apartment, so I wasn't living with my parents at the time, but they did know something was wrong, like something was really, really wrong. I stopped answering phone calls. I stopped leaving my apartment. I would just sit there and ruminate whenever I wasn't at work um and so you know my ex also noticed at the time like something's really wrong here and she thought too like I had went to um the store with my parents I had made them come and pick me up and take me to the store because I wasn't driving um and when I had gotten back this was after a really bad when I was starting to decline really badly um she was like I thought you were going to come I thought your mom was going to come back and say like we we just took her like we just admitted her like we had no choice yeah it was really bad um so they knew everybody like the people closest to me knew that something was wrong and I needed help like as soon as possible
0: now the work that you're doing currently I'd love for you to talk about that the organization that you're working with and share more about the services that they offer and how you you know intertwine with that with all that you're doing
1: yeah so it's so interesting how it's come so full, full circle so I'm a, like big in like spirituality and like manifesting and and you know that world and so it's just so interesting that I'm where I am today because I was so bad and then I just I had the like ping to like just start advocating and just talking about it. Because I was like, well, if I'm going through this, and no one knew knows, like no one would have ever thought I was going through something like this, there has to be other people who are feeling the same way and who are just as scared and lost as I was. And so I had just started advocating, you know, using my personal Instagram, and I met some other amazing advocates who I love so much. And the job like, presented itself to me. So I had a friend who was like, hey, we're hiring. I work for NoCD, which is really big in the community because it's a teletherapy service who offers um, OCD treatment specifically, but it's all remote. So it's really convenient. Um, you know, you can access it anywhere and we're, all, we're in all 50 states. So again, really accessible. And it's, you know, the leadership, the clinical leadership team there is just so great that they train all of our therapists. And so you're going to get the best of the best care there for sure. And so I had started um, in October. Um, And again, they found me through my advocacy and it was just really great. Um, It literally took me by surprise. Um, And then I just had started um, advocating on their platforms as well. So that's when I do the weekly YouTube Q&As. Um, we have guests on there, other advocates on there, and um, one of our head of clinical services, Dr. McGrath, also does a webinar as well um, on Wednesdays. And so, you know, I just kind of started like expanding my role there, which has been awesome. Now I am the um, manager of audience development at NoCD. Um, so I'm going to be managing, you know, all of our social accounts and, and where we're going to go on social. And it's, amazing to see like that my pain had a purpose you know because I'm helping so many people like every day you know in my old role I was speaking to people every day um and answering questions and just talking about treatment and just letting people know that they're just not alone in this um and so it's just really great to like be in this spot you know (laughs) like all of that had a purpose you know and
0: just thinking about someone's path to actually seeking treatment like you had mentioned you you were researching online and i'm sure that researching on social and seeing other people that have gone through this was you know such a big part of it so are there any specific credentials that you think are important that if someone is looking for that an organization has
1: mm-hmm. yeah so um you always if you're ever looking for treatment you always want to work with a licensed mental health provider who has again that specific training in OCD and who also notes that they have ERP training as well Um, because that again is the gold standard treatment for OCD and so you know my personal experience of going to a general talk therapist, like that's just so common, unfortunately, just because there's no awareness out there, even, even in the mental health community with providers um, of what OCD actually is. And it just blows my mind every day. Um, And so, yeah, definitely working with a licensed mental health provider. There are coaches out there who there, you know just like any community there's good and bad um there are coaches out there and some might be very beneficial and helpful as long as they kind of stay in their lane um and not act as if they are a licensed mental health provider um but yeah you're going to want to work with like a licensed therapist um or again someone who has a mental health background to to find proper treatment but yeah I mean when I when I have first started fun fact so like I believe a lot of people with OCD, I actually, it took me a year to start treatment from like the first time I made the call, because I was so terrified of what was going to happen. I thought I was going to be reported. Like, you know, I thought they were going to call the cops on me or something. And I was just scared to like, talk to somebody about what was going on. Um, And so it took me a year to actually follow through and like go to my appointment. I mean, I'm sure my therapist is going to laugh, but yeah, we had, we played phone tag for months. <laughs> and I'm sure he was like, what is happening right now? But um, it just, it takes a while because it's scary stuff you're dealing with, you know, depending on, on, well, it's all scary. But I mean, for me having harm OCD, I was so scared of like, how is somebody going to understand what I'm trying to tell them? How's it going to be digestible, you know? And so as far as to, as far as social credentials or or how you know some, a page is, a legit essentially um again I mean any anywhere someone's gonna say I can cure your OCD in like four days I don't think that's where it is I don't think that's it (laughs) so yeah what
0: are some of the average expected time frames of of treatment and maybe not like a remission because I, I feel like it's probably something you always live with but it's you're just having better tools to help manage it versus being quote unquote cured?
1: Yeah. So unfortunately, there is like no cure right now for OCD. It is something that you're just going to live with and learn to manage um, better. And so as far as an average though, I don't, I'm not sure if there is one. Um, For me, it took me maybe a year to finally feel like I've gotten my OCD under control, that it's manageable. Um, But I've heard of stories that have taken multiple years or, you know, longer. It just kind of just depends, again, on the severity and the willingness to participate in those exposures. Um, But yeah, it took me maybe like a year to get back. But again, I went in with like the determination of like, I'm going to get better. I'm going to figure this out and I'm going to get my life back. So Yeah.
0: And what are some of your favorite resources that you would point someone to if they were considering like hey I have somebody that I think maybe would need this or I myself am looking for help like where are a couple good places to start?
1: For sure. So of course, um nocd.com is an amazing resource because we have blogs on there written by therapists and just firsthand experiences. And also just educational pieces on what this subtype looks like, right? So what is relationship OCD look like? And it's a whole article about that, which if you're looking to ask for help, that's a really great way to do that. If you are like me and couldn't put what is going on in your head into words, printing out an article or sending a link um, to a friend or a loved one, and it's like, hey, I'm experiencing this. I need help. Um, That's a really great way to do that. But also um, the International OCD Foundation, um, it's iocdf.org, that's fantastic. Um, They have a list of providers um, that you can try to look for in your area. They also have just amazing resources, um, not only with OCD, but with related disorders as well. So like body dysmorphic disorder or or trichotillomania. Um, and then madeofmillions.com. That's the that's website that I found my first article. And that's what helped me, you know, guide me here. So I love that one. That's my favorite.
0: <laughs> and if you could leave the audience with a key takeaway, what would you want to impart on them?
1: Recovery is possible. You can totally recover from this. You don't have to live your life according to OCD's rules. Um, I know it feels really hard and like that wouldn't be something that you can accomplish, but recovery is possible. ERP worked for me and it completely changed my life. Um, And also, I mean, you're not alone. You're not alone at all, ever.
0: And where can everyone find you?
1: You can find me on my Instagram. It's just at uh, T-H-E Tori Shivera. So at the Tori Shavera. Um, also on NoCDs YouTube channel. So if you just go to YouTube, it's just N O C D. I do a weekly live Q and A there, and um, I also, you know, manage NoCDs YouTube or I'm sorry, Instagram as well. So it's just um, treat my OCD on Instagram.
0: And on the weekly Q and As, what's what are some of the different topics that maybe someone could expect to have that discussion around?
1: Oh yeah, so the, we kind of cover everything, but we cover pretty much just how treatment went for us. Um, Me and another advocate, Kyle, he's like one of my good friends, I love him. Um, So we just essentially answer questions from a peer perspective, um, our personal experience, how we're doing now, how we manage it every day and thrive with our diagnosis. Um, And yeah, so it kind of just goes, all over the place, which is great, though, because we get a lot of good, good questions on there.
0: So then if anyone that's listening to this now, they could tune in and potentially have the opportunity to ask questions if needed.
1: Yes, yes, we can take as many questions um, as you want. And yeah, it's, it's great. It's a great resource. And everybody's welcome. We love everyone there
0: that's awesome yes and thank you and thank you for all of those resources for the audience we will link them in the show notes so that they have access to everything including where they can find you and those weekly q and a's and we thank you for coming on and sharing this journey it's awesome to see you thrive and step into this and be an advocate to help so many other people
1: thank you so much that means a lot to me i really appreciate it thank you both for having me oh i love it thank
0: yes you. it was right our on. our pleasure thank you tori thank thanks you. for helping
2: us elevate the vibe all right
0: hey there vibe hi babes if this podcast has brought you any value please rate and review on your favorite listening platform and if you're feeling really generous share with a friend Visit us at elevatethevibe.co for show notes on this episode and previous episodes. This podcast is intended to educate, entertain, and inspire. It is not intended to diagnose, treat, or substitute for professional medical advice. Please consult your healthcare provider with any questions you may have. And as always, thank you for joining us to Elevate the Vibe.